Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Alex is back. He's producing. So uh, he had a lot of fun. A couple weeks off and he was all over the world as far as I know. <laughs> At least that's what At I least the about. state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. This state. So this morning, Mr. Kelly. Yes. I mean, it's been, it looks pretty darn foggy. How about mm-hmm. over on the uh, river bluffs? Uh, it wasn't too bad, actually. I was expecting it to be foggy because right. as I came out, I mean, you can just see the air out there and feel, and, it. And feel it. Yeah. Uh, as Matt Ben says, it's the, what was the air you can wear is what we're experiencing. <laughs> but no, I didn't. I thought I'd run into some, but did not see much fog this morning. Really? Yeah. So even as you came into the valley and crossed the river and everything else? Yeah. Don't remember really seeing any because I was half asleep. Oh. No, I wasn't. I was awake. I was driving. <laughs> I was fine. But no, it wasn't too just bad. It's just humid. Now, the yeah. other morning, it was really cool when I drove in because the the clouds were low enough that you could see the top of the arch, but not the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And this morning, as I mentioned very early, as I'm sure you all were listening at 5 o'clock, uh, that if you live at the top of one Cardinal Way, the top couple floors were in clouds. But oh, down at kidding. the deck, we were okay. Wow. Yeah, so just kind of a weird a weird morning. Sounds yeah. fun. Well, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Never know what's going to happen. You don't, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. You bet. It is Saturday morning, and we can have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting you, your yard, your landscape, and everything else. Oh, how's your herb garden doing? Oops, not so well. Oh, maybe you watered too much. Maybe you didn't water enough. How about those houseplants? Better start checking them out because they're going to be coming in soon. And uh, maybe you want to repot them and put them in a bigger pot. Maybe you shouldn't do that, but if you're going to do it, Make sure you use potting mix and not potting soil. Want to do some more planting? Well, how do you improve your soil? You want to do some pruning? Well, how do you do the pruning? What's the best time to do it? What about pruning going into wintertime? Is that something to worry about? Uh, using the information I'll share with you, my thoughts, and help you orchestrate, hopefully, and solidify your options with, of course, the final judgment of the action you're going to take going to be taking, it's going to be on your shoulders. 
And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, as I said before, Alex is back. So he's producing. He pushes all the buttons, answers the phone and everything else. When you do call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from, not what you're calling about or anything else. And he doesn't have any phone numbers for any other thing other than this one right here. And uh, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like for me to come around and do a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Catalpa trees, maples, red buds, and many, many, many more, along with milkweed for monarchs, which is a St. Louis butterfly project. And mingling in with those milkweeds is the coneflowers and other perennials as well. Down the walkway, on the right-hand side, there's tennis courts. And, uh, wow, one of them looks a little bit small and everything else. I wonder if that's that pickleball or whatever I saw an article about. But anyway, so, and on the left side is a playground. And the fountain was really shooting some water up. So when it gets really hot and the kids are playing in the playground, they can go over and stand underneath the fountain and kind of cool down. Also, the birds like it, the squirrels like it, and it is a place for everyone to cool down. You don't have to be a kid. A little further down behind a building, there is a great fountain in this little lake that's there. And the rolling topography, wow, it's just really neat to kind of see this. And, ooh, what's this? A horseshoe pit. Wow. There's benches and picnic tables scattered all over the place. A second lake has a bunch of ducks running around all over the place and then a bunch of ducks in the water, too. There's there probably a massive, I know it's, it is a massive bald cypress, probably di- diameter of the caliper, maybe 40 inches. It is just absolutely huge. And uh, there's some canna plantings, which are in bloom right in that area, too. There's some crimson king maples. Newly installed oak, he's showing us what it's going to be like in the future in that particular location. Walkers and joggers, yes, they were all over the place, as well as crickets, some great cricket sounds. Didn't hear any cicadas, I guess it's too early for them to wake up this morning. A planting of miscanthus, iris, daylilies, and at the corner, cannas as well. The corner of Missouri and Arsenal Street. There's a grove of white pines there, along with a really young Norway spruce. It says, well, you white pines are getting kind of, oh, pines are not doing so well. Spruces seem to be doing better, so here I am. The homes across the street reflect architectural era of quite a while ago. Birds from morning doves to cardinals to robins were kind of wandering all over the place and thinking, wonder if it's going to rain. And the neatly mowed lawn in this park was just absolutely fantastic. Where is this? Well, this is Benton Park, which is at the Jefferson corner of Arsenal. Or I guess it'd be, hmm, maybe it's on the corner of Arsenal and Jefferson. Who knows? Anyway, it's a true gym. It's a great place just to kind of wander around and see all kinds of different things. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1100. 
20. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. But if you do have questions or concerns about your outdoors or your house plants or anything else, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Nadette lives in Overland, and she's going to be or he's going to be our first caller. She. Hi, Nadette. Yes, Mike. Hi. Yes, thank you for taking my call. I'm calling for my neighbor. She has what we think is a Japanese maple Uh that turns red during the, the fall. Okay, the bark is coming off. It's splitting, and inside the bark, it looks like a fungus. When you turn the little silvery pieces, it looks like a mushroom under there. So she's been spraying it with the Bonine brand for for fungus, and it doesn't seem to do anything, and she is afraid she's going to lose the tree. So what do you think she should do? Uh, probably just leave it alone. I think, uh, you know, if she's seeing that kind of thing, if the tree overall looks healthy, leaf-wise, number of leaves, size, color, this is just something that's, you know, just a natural process. And a lot of times you can do more damage by trying to take care of something that doesn't need to have anything taken care of than by just leaving it alone. So unless she starts to see some sort of decline as a result of whatever's happening, then that's when you start taking action. Taking okay. a preventative type action like this is just kind of a waste of money and time. And okay, well, that's good because the tree looks good so so far. So. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'll let her know. Okay. Thank you for calling, Nadette. Uh, okay. Bye. Bye. And now let's head over from Overland over to Robert Shard. Hi, Robert. How are you? Uh, good morning, Mike. Uh, I've got a peach tree, and about. Three or four weeks ago, I heard that it was peach picking time over at Eckert's, and mines are struggling to get ripe, and uh, it doesn't get full sun till about 10.30, I'm guessing, Ooh. but it does get the full sun till around 6.30 in the evening. Right. Um, so, uh, plus I've got some black spots and a few worms and some, but overall this year, uh, they're they're nice. They're big. Uh, last year, I lost just a, a bunch of them, and they just fell off uh, when they were about mid mid size grown. You know, right? Well, base, uh, so basically, just because it's you know peach time at Eckert's doesn't necessarily it means it's going to be peach time in your yard because exposure, okay. variety wise, and everything else can have an impact. You know, not it's just not related to sun. It's related to lots of different factors as well. How old is your tree? Uh, right now it's probably 13, oh. early, mid-teens. Yeah, so it's getting years old. Uh, so I would say don't worry about it. Just kind of keep your fingers crossed, and hopefully you're going to be able to make a harvest. But uh, there's nothing you can do, nothing you should have done. If you got good production early in the spring, basically after flowers, just make sure there's not too many peaches on there because the weight of the peaches sometimes can cause cracks in the branches and things like that. But other than that, it's on, if the foliage is good, everything just like a, the previous caller, everything looks good. Then you're just going to have to wait and play the game. Okay. And what about spraying? Does it need spraying every few weeks? Uh, every spraying couple weeks? from what? 
Uh, just to keep the you know, worms and insects away. Well, this year the Japanese beetle. Basically, unless you most of the insecticides, unless you see the insect and then you spray in the ins in the spray the insecticide you're using, you hit the insect with it directly. Then you're just kind of wasting your time. Okay. So I would say, right. you know, just preventative spraying is not is you know for a, a circumstance like yours. I wouldn't bother with it. All right. Good information. Thanks very much. Yeah. I mean, I'm making it sound really simple, but a lot of times we make things way more complicated than we need to, and the end result is not going to be any better. And like I was saying with the previous caller, her neighbor may be causing more problems than good by by taking too much action rather than just letting things be as they are. Okay, thanks very much. Sure. Thanks, Robert. And now let's go from Robert's to Barbara's. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mike. I received an azalea that was in a pot, but I got it as a bouquet. And after it bloomed, I planted it outside in a berm and... I've kept it watered, and it looks healthy and green. What should I do now for the winter and hoping it'll bloom next spring? Well, and yeah, and hopefully it's a hardy variety because a lot of times there is varieties of azaleas that cannot grow here you know, because of our weather, winter-wise, and other factors also. So it looks healthy now, so that's, that's great, that's fine. You definitely, you know, maybe one or two inches of mulch around it, but that's about all you need to do going into wintertime. When we, when we come out of wintertime, then you want to fertilize it, probably starting, uh, let's say, first of making sure the foliage is still on it and everything else, uh, around the 1st of March with a fertilizer for acid-loving plants and then feed it monthly all the way March, April, and May. Okay. And... Would pine needles be good to use as a mulch? Yes, but, I mean, that's fine. But people always think pine needles are going to make the ground acidic, but it's not the case. They don't do that. They're, they're okay. fine as a mulch, but you that's not the case. You need to add, you know, let's say chemicals to make sure that the ground is going to be acidic. Okay, so I do that in the spring. Right. You're fertilizing in the spring, but the mulch you go, you know, you put on top of the root system going into wintertime. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go from Barbara's over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Got a question. Okay. I got zoysia. I've been fighting the fungus, and then the nursery gave me some fungicide to put on it. So I'm finally getting some green coming through. Should I hit it again or this late in the year? Uh, I would maybe give it one more application. But next year, since you know that probably the, the spores and everything that caused this problem is not going to be totally eradicated, it's going to probably take a, maybe one or two more years of doing it. As soon as it starts greening in the spring, then make your first application of the fungicide and then maybe make one every four to six weeks all the way up, you know, until basically the end of August, early September. All right. I can handle that part of it. Now, can I 
what's good to kill crabgrass? <laughs> well, right now, uh, basically, there's, I mean, if it's mixed in with your zoysia, there's not too much you can do. But the best That's thing to do is, you know, next year is to go after it with a, you know, a pre-emergent. That's the yeah. best thing you can possibly do. Now, it's, it, it kind of took over where the brown was. Ah. And that on me. Right. Yeah, the crabgrass is a, you know, it's a warm season annual weed. So you'd put the, you know, the pre-emergent down when the yellow forsythia is in bloom in your neighborhood if you don't have one in your yard. All right. So it'd be all right to hit it one more time before the end of the season then. Right. Once more. And then also for anybody that has zoysia, you got, uh, if you want to make one last fertilization, you can do that. But get it done, you know, before the end of this month is going to be the best thing to do. All righty, we'll do. Can I put them both together? Uh, probably not. You know, I would make an application of one, then wait for a day or so, and then do the other one. All righty, we can do that. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go and see what's going on in Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, appreciate your expertise on all the horticulture questions and everything. But uh, my question is about a Bradford pear that I have in my front yard. And this year it developed, I don't know if it was a fungus or what it was, a rusty type of uh, thing on the uh, the buds and the, you know, the, uh, well, where the stems come out for the flowering things. And a lot of those, one day I was out there and it was like a, a rusty stuff was blowing off the tree. And a lot of these buds have, have fell off the tree. They're just like laying on the ground, just like a long stem with a black bud. Uh, and I'm just curious as to what that is. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to you know tell without actually seeing it. But, uh, right. you know, the Bradford pears, how old is your tree? Uh, probably 15 years old or better. Yeah, it's probably heading towards the, you know, kind of the end of its life. So specifically what's making... That is, you know, tough to, you know, from your description, it's a good description, but uh, it's just, you know, it's kind of tough to decide or determine okay. what it is. How is it, does it, what's the foliage look like? The foliage has uh, brown spots on the leaves. But uh, you, don't brown big, spots. you don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't have big, like, sections or big branches or even small branches or twigs that where all the leaves are brown. You don't have that. No, no. Okay. So, you know, again, uh, there's, if, if you're concerned about it, I would take a couple of leaves that have this pro- or a couple stems to your favorite garden center and let them take a look at it. And then next year okay. when the foliage starts coming out, make the application of whatever they give you. Okay. And Sounds good. Because, I, mean, I mean, your description was good, but it's just kind of tough to uh, Well, know, it's just it got like a rusty colored covering over the black seed buds and I, I couldn't figure out what the on my my porch railings I couldn't figure out what all this rusty looking dust was right and uh I tell you what I uh, it, I don't know I've never seen that before either so uh I'll check it out and I appreciate that sure my pleasure all right thank you yep and there's something you know if the, if you had let's say Six or eight or ten or twelve or fourteen inch stems, uh, twigs where all the leaves are brown. Then you'd have something called fire blight, and that means basically the plant is headed downhill. The Bradford pear. Once you get fire blight in the internal part and starts turning 
foliage brown, it's something that's on the inside, and there's nothing can be done with that. But uh, from your description, it's you know I can't really guess what it is. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got some phone lines open if you have any questions, concerns, or comments. Let's go over to Wood River and see what's going on in Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Well, hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have a question. We talked to you last week about we had some stumps ground out and we've got dirt put in, and now we're getting ready to put the grass seed in. Do we put fertilizer in now or wait till in the spring? Basically, if you've got a seed starter type fertilizer, you could put it, but don't put regular, just lawn fertilizer. Okay. Asking about the other fertilizer we got. Well, we. Uh, we want to use mill organite on the on the yard, so just wait and don't put that on. No, you can do that because that's organic and it's low analysis. So the oh. reason why I didn't want you to use regular lawn fertilizer because the numbers are a little bit high, and so you oh. don't want to. You know, it takes it a while for anything to break down to be able to get down into the soil for the you know the seed to germinate, have a root system that can absorb it. Personally, I would just, you know, I wouldn't bother with putting anything down. But if you want to put malorganite, you can. But uh, I would say it's not going to make much difference. And also, don't put a bunch of straw over the top of the seed either. No, what we're wanting to do is just get some kind of base on this dirt to take us through the winter months because right. we want to plug. We've got zoysia in the rest of the yard, and we want to plug those spots. Right, so okay. we don't want our dirt to just kind of float away. Right. So... But we can or we can't. It don't matter on the fertilizer. Yeah. It's not not going to make that much difference, to be honest. Okay. Well, thanks. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Hey, Mike. Hi. I love your show, by the way. I've got a question. It's um, my yard, and I'm wondering when the best time to dethatch and aerate. And one other thing, when is the best time to put down something for the winter like the winterizer or something like that are you what kind of grass do you have i think it's just fescue fescue okay uh basically you can go ahead and core rate you know spread some compost you know put a winterizer down you can get that done from kind of let's say uh probably the end of this month all the way up until i wouldn't probably do it much past uh mid to late october Okay. What about dethatching and aerating? Same thing. I mean, it's just get it done. You know, pretty soon. You don't want to get. Okay. You don't want to do dethatching too late in the season because if we have a cold snap really soon, a cold snap where what happens is dethatching exposes crowns and th- you know plant material that if it gets too cold, it could do some damage to it. So that's why you don't want to do it too late. Do you think I should wait till next spring to dethatch? No, you could do it now. If you get it done between now and, let's say, mid to late October, you should be fine. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. I sure. appreciate it. Probably, I would say, maybe early October. So you got basically six weeks to get it done. All right, thanks a lot. Sure. And now let's go over to Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I got a question for you. Uh, years ago, I called in, and I didn't want to dig up my Peruvian daffodil bulbs every year. 
Mm-hmm. So you suggested putting them into pots, and that's been working great. But uh, the squirrels love those pots. So <laughs> this year I put I put uh, marigolds in with them, and they've been thriving and, and pretty much doing their job. I would love to keep those marigolds over the winter and use them again next year. Is there a way to do that? Ooh, that's going to be really, really, really difficult. Uh, generally, okay. it doesn't really work so good even for big greenhouses or even at the botanical garden or anything like that. Uh, you could give it a try, but uh, for the most part, you're not going to have much success. Oh, okay. Uh, it was worth a shot. Well, I'm, I mean, give I'm it cheap. a try. You can call back and say, see, you don't know what you're talking about. My marigolds are just absolutely beautiful. They've been beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But uh, that- should, I, should I put the marigolds into another pot without the bulbs? Because I don't want to keep the bulbs moist all winter. Right. So you could, okay. and then you know, then try to bring. Are you going to try to bring them inside? Is that what you're trying to do? Yes. Right. Yes. But inside, they got to have a huge amount of light, and uh, so you're going to need some grow lights because you're not going to have the windows. Even if they're in front of a west-facing window or something like that, it's not going to be an adequate amount of light. So. Okay. So you got another exp- right, what- expense with uh, buying grow lights. I will. Uh, I'll probably give that a try, and right. I'll call you back in the spring if it works. All right, sounds perfect. All right, hey, thanks. Yep, thanks, Keith. And now let's go and see what's going on in Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi there. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have. Um, we got a driveway port, so I have on one side of the drive. I need to replace soja, pretty good um, amount of width there. Um, I've called a couple sod places, and, you know, it's available, et cetera. When would be the best time, right now when it's super hot or wait a little bit later um, toward the end of August? Will it still take? Uh, you, you know, the zoysia is, you know, still available, but it's not the ideal circumstance as far as to get it, uh, you know, established. Because you can get it, you can buy plugs, you can buy the sod, you can get it laid. Just make sure the soil is prepared ahead of time before you do anything at all. And then, you know, keep it moist and then just kind of keep your fingers crossed because if the root system of your sod or plugs don't get established enough and we get, you know, kind of a severe cold circumstance, that could sort of send it downhill. So you're kind of at the end of the time when you want to do any planting of zoysia. So if you're going to do it, get the soil prepared ASAP and get the sod down as soon as you possibly can. Right. Otherwise, wait until the spring. Yeah, well, wait until the spring when it becomes available. So you're probably looking, you know, it all depends on what year, you know, how the weather's going to be next year. And so you're probably looking at, it's probably not going to be available until, let's say, close to the end of April, something like that, and then Mm -hmm. all the way through summertime. Right. I mean, the concrete company did put some real nice, black, you know, fill back the dirt in there. Will that be okay to just be like that for the winter? Well, you mean just leave it and don't put anything? Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. There's always there's around it, you know. That, right. So the only thing you'd have to worry about is some of that, if it's on a slope or anything, you know, eroding yeah. away. But beyond that, that's all. And if you, right. what you could do is just put an inch or two of mulch over the top of it and then before you put the sod down next year, just, you know, make sure you rake the mulch off the ground. 
Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks a lot for your for your recommendation. Sure. I mean, again, if you want to get it done really quick, and they've put some, you know, the comp, you know, the contractors put some stuff there. You're still going to have to rototill that area up before you lay any sod down on it. Really? Or what about raking it? Uh, you have to rake it pretty heavy, not with a leaf rake, with a garden rake. And you just, you have to make sure that it's, you know, a lot of times when these contractors, they they pack it down so tight, then that makes it pretty much impossible for any kind of sod to be able to penetrate, you know, the soil that's been packed down. Yeah. So I, I got a, a pretty good steel garden rake, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, uh, I could... And you got big I don't muscles. Have a road, rototiller, I know that. <laughs> yeah, big muscles too. Okay, well, doggone. Um, thanks a lot. I appreciate your. I'll, I'll try to get it done. Yep. ASAP. <laughs> well, good luck okay. with that. Sure. All right. Thanks. Bye. Yep. And let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Morning, Mike. Morning. Um, I had a couple of questions. I'm probably not going to know the right name, but on a butterfly bush, a uh, Pergasta, and I guess the color is purple, Agnigus Bruderia. Mm-hmm. Am I anywhere close? Well, as Budley is, you know, the butterfly bush, you know, generally its name. This might be the specific variety that you're talking about. Yes, it is. Okay. And, um, they're terrific, and my question was, um, um, of course, these are perennials. Uh, when do we prune that back? You don't need to prune them at all. Oh, okay. So, okay. I mean, they're a shrub, right? We're talking shrub-wise. We're not talking yeah. perennials. And so, consequently, they don't—they really never need to be pruned. People generally prune when they don't have to. They just prune because— they either don't have something to do or they you know, planted it in a bad spot and it's way too big for the location where they put it. But beyond that, they you just leave them alone. Oh, okay. Well, that's good intel. Well, th- these are done wonderful. This is the second year and the butterflies love, love them, of course. But And right. I had another question about, if I may, uh, in deadheading them, uh, I deadhead them if I normally, quite often there's two new terminals and I, I, I cut off the part that turned brown, the deadhead. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. I, I'm assuming that's correct because there's two new shoots of growth there. Yeah, you don't and have to do that even. I mean, they're very low care. So you're doing that strictly kind of for yourself so you don't have to look at the spent flowers as opposed to just leaving them there. Well, I agree with that 100%, but... Uh, <laughs> They, as opposed to, uh, say, uh, uh, lantana, uh, where they kind of, they kind of what I call uh, self uh, do this themselves. Right. These these guys they hang on and it is aesthetic. But I've also found that through this summer, in particular, that when I do deadhead them, it promotes n- new new blooms. Uh, is that correct or not? Well, more it's just quick, more you kind of, let's say you speed the process up. They would still do more blooms regardless if you're deadheaded or not. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you one, one at all, but there's an area, a commercial area, that has them in an entranceway, and they have not 
deadheaded them all all summer. Uh-huh. And, and they just they have more dead blooms on them. The problem is to me that the the the, the 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 spent part or the part that's turned brown lasts so long. Right. Yeah. So okay. Well, that and, and one other question, if I may, please. I think in the spring or sometime you said. And I'm talking about liriope now. Uh-huh. You fertilize that. And I believe you said March, April, and May. Yeah, well, with liriope, you can do it even as soon as it's, you know, basically you're probably going to cut off the old blades. I don't know right. if you're going to do that or not. But wait until you start to see some new growth begin, and that's when you should make the first fertilization. And then two months, two consecutive months after that? Right. That should be okay. adequate. And if you do cut that down, how low does that get cut to the ground? About six or eight, you know, four to six inches. Four, okay. And then after that, and now you know, they're, they're blooming now. So right. you, you don't use a bloom builder on them after those three initial fertilizations. No, you don't need to. They'll, fer- okay. they'll bloom on their own. Right. Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMY's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Remember, if you've had problems with cool season annual weeds, now they've been gone for quite a while because they disappear when it starts getting hot, but they've dropped seed the whole time. This is a time when you want to get the pre-emergent down at the end of August. Henbit, chickweed, annual bluegrass, and several other plants. Where, like with the crabgrass and the spurge and all those kind of things, the pre-emergent would have gone down in the springtime. But for the cool season weeds, the pre-emergent goes down basically right now. So keep that in mind. So that stupid crabgrass. So the gentleman with the crabgrass in the, you know, the brown spots, make sure. I mean, it really will help. If I should have probably told him to go out there since the area is brown anyway. Just go ahead and, you know, Use some Roundup or some grass killer on that crabgrass to get rid of it because you don't want it to go to seed because then it's going to drop seed. Then you're going to have to make sure that you get the pre-emergent down. So let's go back to the phones, and let's go over to Rick Yard, and he lives in East Alton. Hi, Rick. Hello, Mike. Hi. I really appreciate uh, you and your show. Uh, I have a quick question for you. We have uh, hydrangea trees on the east side of our house. And about uh, with all the rain we've been getting, one of them is just overloaded with the blooms. And after one of our more recent rains, the the uh, the branches have not broken, but they're laying over. And I wasn't sure if it's safe to just go ahead and cut those uh, some of those blooms off to let those branches spring back. Just wanted to see what you'd recommend. Yeah, you could certainly do that. I mean, you could leave them. They're, as long as they're flexible enough it's, and you you don't think there's cracking in, you know, as a result of the, let's say, the weight of the bloom. But, uh, yeah, you can cut some of them off if you like. Okay. Well, we weren't sure if it was something that if they, the longer it stayed, if the branches wouldn't spring back. We just didn't know for sure the best way to proceed. Yeah, this take the weight off of them. Okay. That, one other real quick question. We have uh, moles or voles in the yard. Is there any general... Uh, advice you have. We haven't had them for several years, but they're back with a vengeance this year. Apparently, we're their vacation spot. Well, uh, what base, do you recommend? There are two different things. Moles, you know, are tunnelers, and voles basically, uh, you know, you got to, they live underneath shrubs, and then they run around and do, you know, cause problems as a result of it. So they're to- two totally different things. With the moles, you use like a victor spear or choker loop trap 
and you put it over the tunnels that pop up where they tunnel around looking for earthworms to eat. But the voles, you got to find out where they're living. So look under shrubs or by you know sidewalks or something like that. Look for a hole about the size of a golf ball, and then put a rat trap right there and put some cheese, like Velveeta cheese or something, on the rat trap. That's the best way to get rid of voles. So the two different things, and you have to go after them with two different you know, kind of thoughts. Well, based on what you described, I think we have moles okay. rather than voles. But I do appreciate uh, your show and you very much, and thank you for your advice. Sure, my pleasure. I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, again, I'm uh, probably not going to try to get another call in because that would be too soon. But this is a perfect time of year to get your soil tested. If you, <clears throat> you can get it tested at lots of different places. They're private companies. But if you'd like to have the University of Missouri do it, and there you can drop it, a sample off in Kirkwood on Monroe. And what they do, they don't test it right there, but they're going to send it down to the Columbia, and they test it there at that location. Then the results are going to come to you, and the results are going to talk about phosphorus, potassium, calcium, magnesium, uh, the amount of organic matter that's in your soil, the pH, and several different other things, too. It takes about 10 to 14 days after you submit a soil sample to get the results. And if they've been overwhelmed, it might even take a little bit longer. And then in the city, you can drop off locations, Brightside St. Louis or Gateway Greening, either one. So it's really important. Mike Miller, KM Walks Garden Hotline, back after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly. But right now, you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments that you may have. And Mr. Kelly, Yo. just out of curiosity... Hummingbird population, has it started to drop? I think it is a little bit because yesterday we had all the feeders filled up, and usually most of them empty out during the course of the day, but yesterday they did not. And so I think it's starting to thin out. But last weekend was probably the most I've ever seen at our house. Yeah, we had a bunch of them. Because this was the first week that I hadn't seen any at all. Really? Yeah. So I figured they'd, you know, started their mass migration, at least around our home. (laughs) Yeah. I I think they're starting that way because it seems like we're down a little bit from about a week, uh, the last couple of weeks. We got back from Colorado and it took a day or two to build it back up again. And boy, they were just going nuts. So now I think they are starting to pack up, and which means now they're eating a lot of bugs. I understand they they go from the they're still eating the the uh, you know the sugar nectar. water the nectar, but apparently they also you know they stock up on the protein from the bugs. Right. So uh, so you know if you have bugs around, keep them. Yeah, I'm, I I, 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 <laughs> I put bird seed down on the sidewalk, and the population of birds coming down has started to drop too. So I guess mm-hmm. there's a lot more stuff you know naturally that the birds are eating as opposed to coming and eating. Bird seed off the you know off yeah. the sidewalk. This time of year, the sunflower seed lasts a couple days in the feeders. Right. Whereas you you know at the winter they're every day you're filling sure. them. Exactly. So yeah, you can tell you can tell the difference a little yeah. bit right now. Transition. Yeah. It is for okay. sure. Great. Thanks, Brian. You bet. Yes, folks, and thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for ups and downs related to annuals, bulbs. Yes, you can buy your spring flowering bulbs now, like at Brightside St. Louis. 
But remember, don't plant them yet. It's too soon to be planting them. How about your vegetable garden? Your <laughs> Speaking of vegetables, a gentleman across uh, up the street from us, he has so many tomatoes and peppers. When you walk by, he said, would you like some tomatoes or peppers? So he's giving them away. Uh, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success. And it's strictly for offer, offered to you to consider. Alex is there at the big board. He's producing. So when you call, just give him your first name and where you're calling from. Uh, during the week and weekends, today I'm headed to DePair after the show. I go and do walk and talks where we look around the landscape and take a look at what's going on and everything else. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage, that's my email address and phone number, is listed there. And you can contact me, and we can set up a time where I'll come and share 40-plus uh, years of experience of professional outdoor stuff. Anyway, so I talk about design. You know, I don't do any formal designs anymore, but the plants, care, and all those type of things. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Brookdale Farm, which is in Eureka. It's on Twin Rivers Road. We were there last Wednesday, and they have a huge sunflower field, and they have a maze going through the sunflowers. So it was really kind of cool. It's, you know, there was lots of bees and everything else, but the bees were so involved in, with all the sunflowers, they didn't care anything about the people, but... Tracy took some great shots, and uh, it was just really a neat place. We'd never been there before. It's kind of down in the valley between the Merrimack and the Big River. So, again, Brookdale Farm on Twin Rivers Road in Eureka. Great place to do the sunflower maze. They also have a corn maze, and that's going to be coming up after the sunflowers are finished. But this is a pretty substantial amount of a number of uh, sunflowers, so... It was just, it was fun just to kind of wander through. The maze is not really a maze where you can get lost or anything, so you don't have to worry about it. And they got uh, all kinds of other stuff. And another thing that kind of caught me by, or caught us by surprise, was the fact there's an ATM sitting out in the middle of open field. I thought, <laughs> who's going there? Wildlife or something like that? But uh, probably they have a lot of people that come at certain times, and that field is where the, is the parking lot. So that's where the ATM is. They've got a food truck. They've got all sorts of other things going on as well. So, again, Brookdale Farms on Twin Rivers Road in Eureka. So they get the uh, tip of the trowel from me. And, like, we probably spent close to two hours or so there just wandering around, taking pictures. There's tractors you can take pictures of. You can get up there and act like you're a farmer or something else. There's old farm equipment and just some really neat stuff. So Mike Miller, KMRS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, please remember if you've had anything installed even last year and, of course, this year, that uh, these dry periods, we don't know if it's really going to rain today or not or whatever, make sure that these plants are getting watered. Newly installed things, 
They got to have moisture if they want to have a root system established. If you don't do that, then you got trouble. And so just, just keep that in mind. Also, this time of year is a time when you you should have already done your last fertilization on your roses. So after mid-August, no fertilization, you're going to start seeing powdery mildew, which is like kind of a grayish-white film on lilac leaves, phlox, zinnias, and other ones. They don't look good, but they really don't cause much problems. So keep that in mind as well. Let's go now to the phones, and let's go to Chris's yard. Chris, how are you today? Hello? Hi. Yeah, I got a question about some pear trees. Okay. I think I've got fire blight, maybe. Okay. Should I just give up and have them taken out? Yeah, basically, once a tree has fire blight, it's an internal thing. There's nothing can be done at all to stop it. It's just going to be a slow, you know, process. So, in other words, if you have like 10 or, you know, 12-inch twigs that all the leaves are all brown, then you do have fire blight. It's transmitted by uh, basically insects. And they go to, and they get, let's say, contaminated with uh, the disease, the fire blight from a tree that has it, and then they fly to another tree, and that's how they, you know, they spread it around. So it's basically by beetles is what it is. It seemed to happen after we had them trimmed a little bit, but that, was that maybe just a coincidence? Yeah, coincidence more so than anything else. You okay. know, unless, uh, of course, you know, if there was a circumstance where hopefully these tree services are not letting this happen, if they took down a tree that had the anthracnose and then didn't clean their equipment and then came over and pruned your trees, then that's a possibility. But usually they, you know, they don't do yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, well, okay. Well, I appreciate it. They they were good cover that we kind of, we had four in a row and they were good cover between us gave us some uh, privacy on our deck. Would you recommend a different type of tree to put in there? Yeah, maybe a hornbeam or something like that. There's several different kinds of trees that grow with a vertical habit, so you can right. go to either go online or go to your favorite garden center that you know specializes in you know, that has trees and stuff and go in in that direction kind of a vertical growth instead of going out. Right, out, exactly. Because, yeah. okay. I mean, the going out is fine. It's just that usually the vertical growth is going to be a little bit faster because they're going to grow in one direction. The ones that go lateral, it just seems to take a you know a lot longer. Yeah, well, and there's not a ton of space uh, okay. lateral, so that would be great. So right. what did you call that, a hornbeam? Yeah, there's hornbeams which grow more or less vertical like a flame, kind of like a Bradford pear, only they don't even get as wide as a Bradford pear does. There's several of those uh, in the city as street trees, and they make a good street tree because they don't overhang this, you know, the streets. So the street sweepers and trucks and th- stuff like that don't tear them all apart. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Sue. And, Sue, what's going on in your yard? Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a sago palm. Well, I have three of them, but I have one that... I can't really tell you how old it is. It's it's over, it's over ten, maybe fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for the last three years, no new fronds. Uh, I put it outside um, and encourage it, feed it, water it, along with the other two. The other two got their nice fronds uh, six weeks ago. And this big guy has not gotten fronds for three years. 
Now, it does have a baby, uh, but uh, the, I haven't really done anything with that because I'm not able to really get down into it. Right. So I'm wondering, what am I not doing? Uh, is it too old? What? <laughs> well, the existing fronds, are they turning brown? You know, or are they just... No, yeah. no, I've got some sunburn on them because they, you know... Right. Um, from this year, but no, 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 you're doing everything okay, fine. So I wouldn't worry about it. It's unfortunate that's the case. So it may be an age factor. It may be the size of the pot. So in other words, the pot, you know, oh. is more or less bone sawing the thing. So it's kind of keeping it at that size. But I wouldn't put it in a bigger pot if it's healthy. You're getting, you know, babies at its base. You're doing everything just right. Okay. Well. I've never had one like that before, and and I'm really I can't I can't repot that big stuff anymore. So, right. um, don't bother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and is there any magic to? Um, I, I've had some beautiful elephant ears this year, and I, I got some uh, a dark ones, um, a black and whatever, uh-huh. and they've they've been really nice. But I, I find other years that the, the bulbs on the dark ones aren't near as big. Right. And they, and they don't always weather over over winter. I take them in like I should and uh, keep them in paper bags in the back room. Um, but uh, they're so small that, that most of them don't come up again. Right. Is that... Is that uh, uh, usual with the dark ones? Pretty much. I mean, those are a little bit more exotic. And so their ability to survive in our circumstance where they have to come out of the ground, basically they're native to or they do much better where they can be grown outside year-round. That's going to yeah. be a completely different situation. But what we have to do, the way we have to play with them, uh, no, you're have, what you're doing and what you know, is happening is exactly probably what you're going to anticipate. Yeah, I ordered these from a... Um uh, from a nursery, uh-huh. and when they came, uh, they didn't come as big balls. They came potted and uh, already with a few leaves. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and they're beautiful. Uh, my 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 deck looks like um, Hawaii <laughs> 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 because that's the only place I can put something that the deer don't get. So, <laughs> um, but you know, they're so pretty. Great. That I, I'd like to be able to winter them over. I, I was wondering even if I just should. Um, Maybe pull them out of the pot, put them in a small pot, and put them in a you know sunny window and see what happens. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Mike. I yep. love your show. Oh, well, thank you for and, having uh, me And you on take your care show. of yourself, okay? Okay. Okay. Right. And let's go now over to Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Yeah, Mike, this is Keith Ettinger, and uh, uh, I'd I, I, I like to, years ago we had this bug that grew, grew it was a fly, really, a big, big, well, it flew, and it gets all over your car, so you could sweep them up off the street and all, but I don't remember the name of the the, the bug that was uh, doing that, and they stayed around the river, uh, do you remember? It's not a cicada? I, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, I believe that's it, yeah. Yeah, they, okay. scream, they scream in the evening, 
And uh, then, you know, they leave the exoskeleton on the tree and stuff like that. This is cicada time of year. Oh, yeah, okay. Now, we haven't seen him for several years now. Uh, I mean, some... well, it, it, it's not a, you know, Mike, uh, I, it's not that. No, it's not either. No, that that's not the name. That's not the name of them. Hmm. This was a different kind of a bug. Oh. And it had, it had wings, but it, it wasn't the key, the key to, no, it wasn't that one. Um, no guess then. You know, I mean, they're the ones, there's a 17-year cicada, and then there's the annual cicadas. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Is, is one up smaller? Do they shed their uh, their skin? Yeah, they all do. Okay, well, uh, this one didn't, I don't think. Well, Mike, I think it's been 15, 20 years since this one's been been down there. Oh, hmm. No guess without seeing it. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, find out with someone else, I guess, so you know those those more about the bugs than we do. Right. Somebody that actually, maybe if you can catch one, it's much easier to identify something if you can physically see it. Yeah. Well, I don't think I catch one because we don't have them now. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I was just wondering what they were. Right. So, okay, well, I appreciate you uh, trying to answer my question. I'll find somebody older than us, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mike, thank you. And it looks like you live in Illinois, so get a hold of the Illinois uh, University University of Illinois Extension Service and see if they can help you. That's a good idea, yeah, right. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yep, and now let's head to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Very good. We've got two questions for you. One, uh, calla lilies. I got them from a friend of mine and planted them two years ago. They grow. They're almost two feet tall, but they're not flowering. Really? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, well, it sounds like if they're growing and they're healthy, and so we're talking about calla lilies, right, that have kind yeah. of... Some of the leaves, you know, depending upon the variety, can have white speckles on them. Some of them are just green, yeah. but they should. I mean, and the flower is kind of a cup-like flower, right? Okay, so yeah, now, why she had them all over her? She had them all over her yard, and I just took a couple, and they just have not flowered. Yeah, that's surprising because we've got some, and ours are flowering, been flowering for a while now. So uh, damn, I really like those. <laughs> they are nice. <laughs> okay, that's one thing. Now, are you, wait, another question. Are you leaving them outside for the wintertime? No, I dug them up and brought them in. Yeah, that's okay. That's what I thought because I was going to say, I've never really known them to be able to survive our winters. No, no they're, I mean, they're beautiful. They look like they're, when they do flower, they're going to be great. Right. But they just don't. Yeah, there's all kinds of colors. You know, there's white. The ones we have right now that are a flower are kind of like a dark maroon color. Oh. Okay, and then the other thing I had was um, I I hear you talking about this uh, poison ivy woody plant roundup. Right. Where do I get that? Um. Ace Hardware's, you know, big box stores, most of those places should nope. have them. Not the poison ivy woody woody plant. Oh, really? Yeah, they've got everything else, but not that one. 
Uh, maybe there's a company here in the metropolitan area called Hummerts International, H-U-M-M-E-R-T. You know, just yeah. go online, check them out, see if they've got it. And uh, they've got a retail store involved with them. Hot dogs. <laughs> All righty then. Thank you, sir. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones we go. If you have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Al's yard. Hi, Al. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Question about a pin oak tree. It's about uh, 24 inches in diameter, so about uh, two or three feet up. Every year it comes out looking fine, except the leaves at the top uh, are a little small in an area. But then as the season goes on, uh, those smaller leaves tend to fall off and some of the others turn more yellow. Uh, in the past, I have treated it by, uh, you know, drilling uh, holes in the ground and putting in uh, the iron and everything. Right. Um, but uh, I was talking to an arborist the other day about another job generally and he mentioned something called c20 which i've never heard of and he if i miss if i understood him recommended kind of applying that uh, around the ground underneath uh is that i hadn't heard of c20 are you familiar with that no i'm not but okay. you know if this you know if this is happening in the same you know location on the top of the tree year in year out to me that says there's some physical damage to those branches up there and that's why this is happening more so than it could be, a, you know, could be who knows what, but for yeah. it just to be in the same place year after year after year says to me it's a physical type thing. Okay, yeah, and some of those branches do seem to be dying out, but uh, so, okay. Well, I was just wondering about the C20, so yeah. uh, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, let's go out to St. Charles and into Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, hey, thank you for... Thank you for your uh, service and your show. Hey, I have a question about my asparagus out in my garden. Um, it's growing great. My, uh, I, I prepared the bed. This is the first year, so I know I'm not going to get a crop. Right. My question is, when do I cut those ferns off? I would leave, you know, leave them until they start kind of looking like they're headed downhill because all that, basically what they're trying to do is build up themselves strength-wise so they're basically making food, chlorophyll, and that's sending energy back down into the root system, and that'd be next year's crop of asparagus. Okay, would uh, so maybe after the first hard freeze? Yeah, it may or... not be that late. Just when they start looking like they're declining. Okay, so when they do, okay when they when they look like they're spent, right? Kind of, uh, and and how. How much should I leave? Should I leave three or four inches? No, you or? don't need to leave that much. A couple inches is plenty. Is that right? Okay. Because it's now, that's one more thing. yeah, that okay. stalk is not necessarily going to come up. It's going to come up off the root system. Exactly. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, they're looking really good, and I just I wanted to get your advice on that. Um, if I may, Mike, I do have a suggestion for the people out there that are having trouble with voles. Um, my neighbor and I built a couple boxes last year. And we would set the mouse trap, the trigger end of the mouse trap, right there at the hole, and then put a box on there. And the and the and the end of the box was open, so the only way they could get out was to walk across the trap. Ah. And, and we didn't have to bait it or anything. They just they didn't have a choice. If they wanted to get out of the hole and get out onto the ground, 
they had to walk across the track. Wow. And I think last year my neighbor and I, we got close to 50 of them. Good God. Yeah, it was it was fish in a barrel. It was crazy. <laughs> so that's just a little, I, I know that's what works out here in St. Charles. So uh, just a little, just a little, uh, you know, free advice for all your listeners. Sure. And, with well, all that, I'll let you go, and I, I, I appreciate your service tremendously. Well, great. Well, thanks for the insight. So, Okay. Well, thank you, Mike, for everything, yeah. and uh, have a good weekend. You do the same thing. And now let's head into Brentwood and go into Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Hi, Mike. Um, earlier you were talking about um, putting compost down after you aerate. What do you do with the little plugs? Do you mix that in with the compost or get rid of them or what? They just melt on their own, basically. Okay, you don't need to do anything special. No, with you them. don't have to okay. break them. You know, you don't have to break them up or do anything at all. Okay, and then you talked about seed before or after the compost. Is that true of a zoysia? Well, well zoysia, also? you don't. I mean, I've never really. People say they've used zoysia seed, but uh, I've never really known of it being successful. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. Bye bye. Bye bye. And now let's go to Charles's yard. Hi, Charles. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I have a question about a tree. I stuck in that before. It's a 50 year old apple tree. And you tell me to take a piece off of it to try to save whatever still, you know, uh, burning apples. But how do I take that piece off to start a new tree? Basically, you're just you're taking a branch, you're going to get some rooting hormone, and you're so you're trying to take cuttings off this tree, correct? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, sir. Okay. So just probably like a 12 or 14-inch uh, branch tip, and uh, then you're going to dip the cutting, make the cut at a 45-degree angle, dip it into a rooting hormone, and then put it in a pot with potting mix for starting plant material, and that's basically what you need to do. That's what you know. production nurseries do. I mean, they, okay. Not good at too, right? I can't. You're you're kind of blurring I, I, out. Okay, I can do that to a rose bush too, right? Uh, roses. It all depends. Some of them yes, some of them no. The shrub type roses yes. The ones that are grafted roses, like the grandifloras and hybrid teas and things like that, probably is not going to work as well because those are basically two different plants that are put together. Got it. Okay. One more, if I may. I tried to grow watermelons this year, and they grew, but they all kind of like shrank at the end of it and just turned brown, just shrank. Is that the heat or just bad uh, materials that I'm working with? Probably the soil is part of that problem, and maybe the watering habit and everything else. But if they started to grow and then just kind of basically took a dive, then the, you know there's something inherently wrong with you know the whole production aspects of it. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. And now let's head over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Hey, Mike. Um, Hi. I planted some uh, purple leaf sand cherries, and uh, the rabbits really liked them. So I put some hardware cloth around them, and um, uh, they seem to grow up good. When would, can I take that hardware cloth from around them? When will they stop uh, chewing on them? <laughs> Maybe never. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. I thought maybe they would mature up or something. Well, usually okay. if the you know if the bark and everything gets bigger, they like to chew on things when it's you know smaller and a little bit more, let's say moisture oriented. But uh, yeah. it's you know it's going to be a while. 
Yeah, and the same the hostas too. They kind of chewed the hostas up. I guess you got to get rid of rabbits. That's the key, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Nancy's yard, and she lives in Union. Hi, Nancy. Hello. Hi. I'm, I have a question for my daughter-in-law. She planted yucca years ago, and it's gone completely crazy, and she wants to get rid of it. Is there anything that kills yucca? Uh, you know, Roundup will kill it. It's just going to be—it may take a while to get rid of it entirely. Physically digging it up, that's another way to do it, but it has extensive root systems. And what she needs to do is, before she puts a Roundup on there— if she has any kind of thing that she can cut it off and basically have open wounds and then spray the Roundup right onto those open wounds, that would be the way to get it, you know, the process going on faster. Rather Mike, than just, she did that, exactly that, and yeah. it just keeps growing. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a long, involved process. It's not a one-shot deal because they've got an extensive root system, and you can kill the mother plant, but the root systems and everything else can still keep going. I have another comment. I had a, uh, I had hibiscus. They don't do well here. A friend that gave them to me, they're like a weed there. This white one was near uh, my underground wiring here, and, and it was near an electric connection box and it went absolutely crazy and it got too big and was leaning way over and interfering with cutting the lawn i we had to cut it down and, and get rid of it and this yucca she has is the same thing it's near one of those electric boxes <laughs> does that have an effect i'm thinking it maybe it does it makes plants go nuts and grow excessively. <laughs> well, I guess that could be the case, but it's generally not because a lot of people are trying to block those electric boxes. So they plant, you know, let's say ornamental grasses, all kinds of other stuff around them, but it's not like they go nuts. So, Well, those two experiences I've had. And the other thing, I've talked to a neighbor about it. If they have a pool and the, whatever they put in their pool, you know, to keep it, I guess it's mostly chlorine. Right. I don't know, but they, she had the same issue years ago trying to get rid of yucca. And she thinks that is the thing that finally killed it. <laughs> Do you have any comment on that? That very well could be. I guess you could put bleach on it or all this other stuff. But when you do that, then you contaminate the soil. So once you get rid of this stuff, then you may not be able to you know, do anything until you get rid of all that soil that's been contaminated out and put some new soil in that location. I absolutely understand all that. I've been an organic gardener for years, but I'm getting too old to do it anymore. <laughs> but, yes, she has a real problem with this yucca. It's just out of control and grapevines. Yeah. But oh, uh, Hillerman's grapes. is in Washington. I talked to them, and they recommended something that would kill the grapevines. It's T-O-R-D-O-N. Tordon? Tordon. Right. Yeah, so that that's that she can attack the grapevines with because they're out of control also. But this yucca, it it just doesn't seem like that's what they recommended to dig it up as far down as you can go, and then put rock plastic over the whatever's left of the root oh and rock on top of that, and then refill. And they weren't guaranteeing that it wouldn't eventually come back up anyway. Right. It could poke its way through. Yeah, that stuff is brutal. That I can't hear you. I don't hear so well. Well, that is brutal. I mean, there's nothing. 
I mean, the yucca doesn't give up easily, that's for sure. That's what I'm finding out. Well, I just wanted your opinion. I will let let you go. I know you have other callers, but thank you for my for your comments. Sure. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go. We're headed to O'Fallon and into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike. I heard you talking about uh, pre-emergence that should be put down now. I do. I know, I'm familiar with the pre-emergence for the spring, but I'm not familiar with the pre-emergence for the fall. Can you explain? Well, it's just a different kind of weed. It's a cool season weed that grows, you know, during the uh, the winter time, and then when the weather gets uh, hot, then it kind of disappears. So that's the difference. Is you know, that's who who. Do all the manufacturers, Scotts, Vigoro, do they all make that product? Yeah, I mean, it's not. It doesn't take a separate uh, pre-emergent, so you don't have to worry about what it is. The cool season weeds are going to be germinating that you're going to be trying to kill, like henbit, chickweed, annual bluegrass, prickly lettuce, Persian speedwell, things along that line. That's what you kill by putting the seeds as they germinate by putting a pre-emergent down this time of year. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And now let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hello, Mike. Yes. Um, I wanted a um, uh, recommendations for a ground cover in with a real dry, not much moisture that can expand uh, pretty desert area uh, moisture, uh, moisture conditions. Sunny. Sunny, yeah, mostly sunny, yeah. Probably uh, you're still going to have to improve the soil because nothing can just kind of take off on its own. But uh, okay. there's lots of different varieties of sedum, S-E-D-U-M. So take a look okay. at the sedums. That's going to be one of yep. your best choices. Okay. How about ivy? Would that work as well? No. Don't do the ivy. No, no ivy. Okay. No. That can't right. handle that situation. Okay. Sedum. I'll look for sedum then. Thanks. Yeah. And where can I, where's a good place to get sedum? Basically, most of the garden centers should have it. Have it and they'll have it in trays like a, you know, 36 little you know, plugs or whatever. So yeah. that would be the best way to get it. And just look online at the different kinds of sedum because there's some that are more evergreen than other ones. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And, Scott, if you could do it really quickly. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, real quickly, how do, you pre- what, how do you prep the ground uh, to get grass and stuff out before you put in clover? You basically, you mean as far as killing off the grass? Yes, killing off so I don't have more weeds and clover. Yeah, so what you, know, what you need to do is just use an all-purpose herbicide to kill off the stuff that's there. Then you know, realize that you're going to turn the soil over and then get the, the Dutch white clover seed to go. But you're going to have some weeds that are going to come up in it, and uh, so you're just going to have to understand that that's part of the scenario. And quickly off that last question, the gentleman about the pre-emergent, do you core aerate, put grass seed down, then a pre-emergent, or how do you keep the pre-emergent from killing the good stuff? Basically, pre-emergent only kills seeds. It doesn't kill good plant materials. 
Okay, how about grass seed? Does it kill that? Yes, absolutely. Any kind of seed, right. it will kill. So, so the timing of it then. Right. You so, can't, when do you put grass seed down and then a pre-emergent? So basically, you got to decide one or the other. Ah, okay. Well, that's. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's an the answer. best. Yeah, that's the best way to go about it, rather than trying Michael, to coordinate. Thanks for, thanks for your help. I love your show. Sure. The pre-emergence basically lasts about uh, thirty days or so. So, I mean, you can you know juggle it that way, but uh, I mean, it's just much easier if you just don't you know try to do it that way. So, thanks, Scott. Thanks to everybody who called in today. Greatly appreciate it. I don't know if it's going to rain today or not, but, man, the ground is pretty darn dry. So don't stop watering, irrigating your plant materials, your lawn, and everything else. And uh, just have a great weekend. It's just a, getting near the end of August, and uh, it's been a, quite the year as far as plant material-wise and everything else. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.